two, one. All right, fight fans, welcome to Caveman Corner with your host, Jeff. Captain Caveman! Dents, coming from the Caveman Studios. How's it going, Ray? Happy St. Paddy's Day. Hey, happy St. Paddy's Day to you too, man. Awesome. Well, uh, we're going to have a super special guest. I booked it today. So we'll get one of my personal heroes, Eric Herbert. Captain America. Captain America. Before we get too far into this, I just want to say this is not a paid political ad, even if it ends up sounding like one. Eric is one of the heroes that I've had in my life. And even though he's way younger than me, I totally respect him. He's like a father figure. Yeah, he is like a father figure, kind of. And it's going to be uh, probably a pretty pro-Eric Herbert podcast. And just to let people know, I never wrote it in my life. so Also... And the last podcast that we did, you call Eric Herbert out for being tired and lazy, so we'll see how it goes. Oh, boy. Don't worry. He's a nice guy. Before we get Eric on, I just want you guys to take a minute and click the subscribe button on whatever you're watching. Every subscription that we get will really help us out so that we can continue to bring these awesome podcasts to you guys. All right. We have Eric Herbert on the line. We were going to do this yesterday, Eric. Uh, I just got you back today. Sounds like you're a pretty busy guy. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's uh, good to be back. It's been a while, but uh, yeah, I got busy with uh, some work, work-related business, and uh, it took me a day to catch up. But uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. First of all, you just came back, back into your professional career of fighting, and uh, had a pretty big win against a brown belt opponent. Ray actually said that you didn't look like yourself. Can you talk about that a little bit? I just got to bring this up because uh, I have Ray here actually for podcasts with a law enforcement officer, so it's. It's good to good to have him. Is Ray, is Ray on? Can yes. Ray hear me? I yeah. Hear you. Hey, what's, how's it going, man? All right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, as far as that goes, uh, I think Ray's right. I would agree that I don't think that fight was uh, my best, uh, my best showing, my best performance. Um, I think just a quick recap: um, I was supposed to fight a guy that I had fought before at 185. Then they changed it. And uh, I fought at 205. Uh, they told me the guy had like, uh, what was it, like 14 fights. And I talked to him after the fight, and he had 27. <laughs> and, um, and I saw, you know, his record wasn't that good. It was like seven and nine. But then I, when I looked him up, I saw three fights that he won that weren't on his record. And so I was like, oh, okay. And then when I talked to him, yeah, he lost nine fights, but he. You know, I think he won more like 15. So I think he's more like 15 and nine. And some of his losses were from five years ago. So anyway, you know, I, I you know, he was a brown belt. He was big. He hit hard. He's a good counter puncher, good southpaw. Um, you know, he had nothing to lose. I, I thought he was he was better than I thought he would be. I think he deserves a lot of credit. Um, but at the same time, I don't think I really trained the way I should have. And, um, as a coach, you know, I always tell the guys to, you know, you have to take it seriously. It's a brutal sport. And I think I kind of, uh, uh, didn't really hold myself to that standard this time around because of the other things I had going on. So anyway, uh, Ray, I think you're right. I think I was a little out of shape and, um, criticism well-deserved. Yeah. So what did you do the night before the fight, Eric? Uh, I went to work. I worked <laughs> in the night shift. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm a police officer, uh, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm a police officer and yeah, I went into work, you know, I, I didn't <laughs> feel like, 
I worked the midnight shift, so I went in at 11 o'clock and I worked most of my shift, but then I took off at, I don't know, I think I took off at like three in the morning and went home, went to bed at like four in the morning. But, you know, I didn't really want to take the day off and just sit at home and, and think about the fight. I just wanted to go and treat it like a normal day. And uh, maybe in retrospect, I could have um, done that a little differently, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to make excuses for you, but there's a lot of factors that went into that fight. And uh, we talked about a lot of them on the podcast where we actually where me and Ray talked about the fights. People don't understand how busy you really are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'd like to preface it all with, you know, my hat's off to Randy um, because he was he was very good. And, uh, I, you know, I think I could have done better, but maybe he feels, feels that he could have too. So, you know, he had to come in here on short notice. He had to come in here from New Mexico and bring his coaches and family up here. So it wasn't an easy task for him. So he was a good opponent. But, yeah, I do have a lot of stuff going on. And I think it's time for me to hang it up and, and move uh, forward with the other things uh, before Father Time catches up with me and, and puts me <laughs> puts me in an even worse spot. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It sounded like you uh, you still had some fire when we were sitting in the cage talking Monday looking at uh, yeah. another undefeated guy. <laughs> yeah, there, you know, there's a couple guys out there that when I look at and I see the hype behind them and, you know, I, I'd fight them, you know, for sure right now. But, you know, but – I got to take it seriously. You know, I got to lead it by example. And, and that the reality is I'm training two days a week and, uh, and I'm more focused on political, uh, my political campaign or, you know, my other, my other full-time job than, you know, my heart's really not in it to the extent that it should be. So I have to fight those urges and uh, leave it up to the young guys now, you know, for sure. Uh, are you planning to continue to coach after you, um, win this election? So, yeah, there's a couple things. Uh, I, I don't want to commit to anything. Um, my plan right now is obviously so uh, set on winning the election that uh, I definitely am committed to coaching the rest of 2019. Um, but if I do win the election and I take office in January of 2020 at the start of the year, um, I might have to look at maybe, you know, putting the coaching side uh, uh, putting the coaching aside for a little bit. I, I've been coaching, I coached wrestling for six years at the high school level. I've been coaching um, MMA since I was 19, you know, as like an assistant coach and then now was full-time head coach and gym owner and all that other stuff. So, you know, I, I've, uh, I've put a lot of time in as a coach. I don't regret one second of it, but at the same time, as you, as you move on in life, and I'm sure everybody can kind of relate, you know, sometimes other things pique your interest and, um, right now, I can honestly say that this uh, political scene and political involvement is, is pretty is, is pretty much taken over my life. You know, I'm obsessed with it, and um, I, you know, I want to give it everything I got, and I don't want to, you know, half-ass it to the to the MMA athletes at Western New York MMA because they're a very talented group and they deserve real full-time commitment. And so, what I would say is, I'll I'll, I'll definitely going to coach 2019 and do everything I can to keep those guys winning. Um, but at, depending on how the election goes, I might have to relook at some things. Oh, wow. That was not the answer I expected. So uh, <laughs> that was just supposed to be a stock question and get you comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it, it's just there's so many, you know, these, there's fundraisers, there's, uh, uh, there's special meetings, there's when emergencies come up, you know, the legislator gets called in the session. I mean, sometimes they're there. You know, it's it's real. It's a real job, man. you got a lot of real responsibilities here. And um it, it, you know, and, and these, these political positions, if, if they're done by the right people, can really impact a lot of lives. And, and depending on how it goes, you know, I want to keep my options open. Just to be 100% clear to everyone that's listening, uh, we never really said it. You're running for Niagara County Legislator. 
correct? Yeah. Yep. I live in uh, North Tonawanda, um, and we're building a house in North Tonawanda, and that district of uh, where I live currently and where we're building our new house is uh, um, about, I would say, 40% North Tonawanda and about 60% Niagara Wheatfield, uh, the town of Wheatfield. So, yes, I'm running for Niagara County Legislator in the 7th District, which is Wheatfield and NT. I, I hate to even bring this up, but I want to because I just read the other day on um, Facebook the post that your wife, Diana, wrote, who is amazing. You guys are like the perfect American couple. If anyone hasn't seen a picture of these two together, go open up your Facebook and search Eric Herbert for Niagara County office, and you'll see a picture of his family, a beautiful family. But anyways, uh, I guess there was a reporter digging around your your house site. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, thank you for that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I always, I've been, I'm, I'm relatively new to politics. And uh, which I'm very proud of, you know, I don't want to be a 20 year guy who's been through the system and take political, taking political job after political job and got all my friends and family jobs. You know, I like and I think we need more fresh eyes and uh, new perspectives on uh, a lot of these issues and a lot of these political offices. So. So, you know, it's still very shocking to me what happens sometimes. You know, I, I'm old school. You know, I, I think, like, I believe in uh, our political system. I believe in, you know, our country. I love our country, you know, served in the Marine Corps and blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I take all that stuff to heart. And, you know, to see and to get exposed to these shady political things that are happening every day right here in my city and right here in my county it's it's uh it's disgusting you know and and that's a there's really no other way to describe it and so um yeah i got contacted by a neighbor who i haven't even met yet because we're building the new house right so i haven't even, i've met a lot of those, those neighbors but i haven't met every neighbor to where my house is being built and uh there's a reporter walking up and down my street where my lot is like where it's all under construction dirt everywhere an excavator out there because they're, they're putting in the foundation, the basement. And this reporter was digging around telling people that uh, a career politician bought this lot. He's only building a home here so he can run for office. All this crazy nonsense uh, to these people who have never even met me before. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really shocking. And there, there was more to it too. I mean, you know, you're harassing my neighbors and now I got to live there the next 30 years. Like what kind of impression does that set, you know? And so it's, it's upsetting and it creeped Diana, my wife out, um, you know, that there's like these, you know, sleazeball reporters walking up and down the street, you know, <laughs> interviewing neighbors and, and, and talking uh, bad things about our family. And so, yeah, it, it, uh, it's, you know, just, I guess it's just what it is these days, but we're going to keep fighting it and, and we're going to make sure that um, our side of the story is always getting out there. Can you just talk about the wetland situation too? It's not like you guys could just move into the house because I don't want to totally defend you and I want to put it in your own words, but I know um, you didn't buy the house just for running for office. I know that you had to deal with the wetland situation and everything to go along with that. Yeah, so the long story short would be um, about a year and a half ago, maybe even longer now, my wife and I bought a lot to build a house on. We've been saving for years. We sold our house that we lived on, uh, or lived in, and we, have, you know, it's a very good housing market. So, yeah, we've been saving up money. We're, we're going to uh, build a house. It's a really exciting time for us. And um, uh, that house, um, the, the lot where that house is being built on, the back portion of the lot, um, has wetland 
And so all the wetlands is, is like the state DEC says like you can't build on the wetlands, which is fine because it's at the back of the lot. It doesn't matter. It's nowhere near the house. It's, it's not a big deal, but you need to go through a very extensive permit process uh, to get New York State to let you build anywhere near them. Even though you're not building on them, just near them, you need to get these special permits. So we thought our house would be done and built months and months ago, uh, even you know last year. But instead what happened is is because we wanted to do it the right way and not like force anything with the state you know wetlands uh, DDC, we took our time to get the permits and it set us back like at least 10 months, if not a year on building this house. So yeah, now, now we're good to go. You know, we did the right thing. We went through the process. We, we, we waited patiently. Um, and so now, yeah, now we're building and now everything's under contract and everything's good to go. It's just, we got set back a long time, but in the meantime, we still live in the district that I'm running in. We, I still live here. I've lived in Niagara County for the last 10 years. Um, I'm, I'm running for Niagara County legislator. I live in the district that I'm running in, but, um, I'm just, also building a house in the district so when the house is done i'm just going to move down the street into a new house but i still currently live uh in the, in that district so you're not independently wealthy career politician <laughs> i wish <laughs> i wish no man, i i don't hold any political office i'm a school board member if you want to consider that political which you know some people do i i, I i'm kind of in the middle on it i see where people could think that but it's really not as political as people might think um, but it could it could be with with the wrong people involved, I guess. But um, yeah, I don't have any political office. I don't have any political jobs. My family doesn't work for the county. I'm a I'm a cop that took the civil service ex- exam. I scored um, high on the exam. I passed the physical. I interviewed. Like nobody's handed me anything. Nobody's handed my family or friends anything. I don't have any tie ties to any of these politicians whatsoever. So you know that's not me. Do you think that this might have come around because you called out your opponent in the cage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. a lot of times in life, right? And so um, I'm not a big person that dwells on regret. But what I would say is I was definitely amped up in the moment after a big, you know, professional cage fight in front of thousands of people. And um, what happened there was the news called me. I would say the week of the fight or somewhere close to that and said, Hey, your opponent has all these tax warrants against him. And basically he hasn't paid his taxes, like $40,000 worth of taxes. And so they put warrants out for him and you know, I'm a cop. <laughs> I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I arrest people that have warrants. You know, my name's not on a warrant unless I'm arresting someone who has it. Right. So, <laughs> You know, it's like when someone brings that up to me, and, and I had I had heard rumors. I'm, you know, I kind of knew that there were some shady dealings with my opponent, but you know, I didn't know anything for sure. But the news wanted me to comment on it, and I actually did give them a comment, but they never printed it. Um, just saying that I was disappointed, and I, I I think it's completely inappropriate to have tax warrants and then still be a, a you know running for office. Um, but, uh, so, so once I knew it was like factually true, you know, from the news, then I, uh, I knew and I went with it. And so in the moment after the fight, I won, I called him out and told him to pay his taxes, <laughs> thousands of people. And, uh, you know, may, maybe not my best moment, but at the same time, I think people should know the truth. So, so be it, you know? 
I don't think anything will be wrong with it unless he actually didn't have a tax warrant. If he does, I mean, that's your job. You should go arrest him. That would be a good story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, the, <laughs> the way the IRS works, you know, to my knowledge, that's a little section of the law that I'm not, you know, super familiar with. We don't deal with it every day, but tax warrants are a little bit different. Like, they can seize the property, and at some point you can maybe, you know, be arrested, but there's a little bit more to it. So I don't really think it's like an, a warrant where I could just arrest them tomorrow, but... <laughs> Either way, man, I mean, if we're trying to clean up the political system and by example, the way to do that is to not put people in office who have um, back taxes. And, and, you know, he made a comment of that he feels he's paid more than his fair share of taxes. And that's like, well, you know, your fair share of taxes is all of your taxes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you don't get to decide what the fair share is. The law does that. And so I take that stuff personally, you know. So It's not like you don't pay your taxes, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Amen, man. Amen. <laughs> oh, that was kind of like a question just to make sure that you are paying your taxes, but oh, no, I believe good. 100% you do. <laughs> I'm good. I've, I've paid everything. I don't like doing it, but I've done it. You know, I've paid them all. I wrote a, a response to to your wife on Facebook, and I really believe this. I think that everyone is always calling for good people to run for office. And if someone that you believe is a good person is running for office, I really think we need to get out and support them. And that's one of the reasons why I want to have you on and one of the reasons that I want to help volunteer with your campaign. So uh, if anyone's listening, Eric's someone I believe 100% in. So uh, I don't know if your, my word means anything to you, but if it does, you know, help Eric out. Listen, I never voted in my life, so if I lived in Niagara County, I would vote for Eric. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a, a couple of reasons uh, why people don't vote, and I don't blame them. You know, I mean, sometimes I, I scratch my head and think, why why would people vote if this is the product that we're putting out there sometimes? You know, all these problems and shady politicians. But, but at the end of the day, um, you know, you know, it's what we need to do is we need to support good people running, right? And my race, anybody's race, right? And we need to, you know, get, we need to rally around good people who really want to change things and, and shake things up. And I think if we do that, we'll encourage people to vote more. I think we'll, you know, get rid of some of that voter apathy that's out there if we get good candidates. I think we have bad candidates, you know, nobody shows up to vote. If you get good candidates, exciting candidates, people who can move the needle, I think that's where you're really going to see change. I like that. That sounds really good. You started out as a Republican, right? And now you're an independent. Can you talk about that a little bit? I'd love to because people, first off, um, where do you even start? Yeah. So I was in the Marine Corps from 2004 until 2008. And during that time, I worked for the Bush administration. Um, and so I had a lot of Republican influence. And I, I think it's ridiculous, and I think it's one of the problems with, with politics that people feel they have to be all in red team or all in blue team, you know, Democrat, Republican. I think a lot of issues are really much more um, on a sliding scale, right? And so I was a Republican for a long time. I'm very upset and disheartened with the way our local Republicans, local meaning the city of North Tonawanda, the town of Wheatfield, Niagara County in general, I'm very upset with how those local Republicans have conducted themselves over the years. For example, former Senator uh, George Mazier, Queen Dale's misdemeanors, Henry Lepastic, 
former GOP um, chairman, uh, Republican chairman, complete you know, misdemeanor voter, you know, um, voter, I don't know what would you call it, voter, uh, voting violation. You have people on the Young Republican Committee, which is like this group of, you know, Republicans in Niagara County that have been arrested multiple times for, you know, domestics and DWIs and that as a police officer, I really have a hard time standing behind. So at the end of the day, I don't relate to the Republican Party and the way they're conducting themselves here in Niagara County. And so I switched. I switched from a Republican to an Independence Party member. And the reason I didn't switch to Democrat, um, although it's becoming more and more uh, easy for me to do, and I'm really thinking about it, is because I don't agree with a lot of the socialism, identity politics stuff that's being pushed from the National Democratic Party. And so if the Democrats could get back to working more and representing more of the unions and the working class and getting back to you know, a working class Pratt, then I would be more on board with them. But until they do that, or until our local Republicans clean their act up, I'm going to be a proud independent, and I'm not going to be beholden to either one of those parties until I get their act together. So the independent party didn't back you when you went to them, correct? Nope, they did not. Correct, yeah. Um, the way that independence party works is it's made up board, and you interview in front of that board, and you request for their endorsement. And I, uh, my opponent's a Republican. I'm an Independence Party member. I went in front of that board and I said, listen, if I win, I'm not going to caucus. Caucus would be like me and kind of vote along with. Uh, I'm not going to caucus with Republicans or Democrats. I'm going to caucus with an independent. Like, I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to ask for help. You know, I'm going to ask for the insight of Democrats, of Republicans. At the end of the day, my plan was to be, um, you know, loyal to myself and my group of, you know, friends and, and colleagues, and I wasn't going to be beholden to one party. And I said I would caucus as an independent, meaning, you know, that's what I said. But my opponent will be caucusing as a Republican. And so the Independence Party still chose to not endorse me or him and to let him run a primary against me. So now a Republican is running a primary against an independence uh, party member to see who wins that line. And I, it's, it's crooked politics at its finest. It's, it's backwards. It's corrupt. It's one of the reasons why uh, Jay Zellner and the Erie County Democratic Committee are very against, um, you know, this fusion voting, which is kind of letting, you know, what I just described happen. Um, I'm an Independence Party member. I'm not beholden to either one of those parties. I believe I should have been the Independence Party candidate, but instead, because of all the uh, shady politics that goes on, they wanted to let my opponent have a shot at winning that line too because they know if he wins that line, he's got a better shot to beat me. So for anyone that doesn't know politics, that would mean when you go to the ballot, the Republican would be in one spot, the Independent would be in another spot, and the Democrat would be in a third spot. And by running for the primary, that would knock the independent party off of that line to vote for. So you'd have to win the Republican side of the, um, the ticket without um, in the primary. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on the ticket at all. Well, uh, Does that explain it kind of? Not really? 
<laughs> no, what it would be is just the, the, the quick version of a, of a complicated system would be in June, June 25th, the voters will have the chance to vote in a primary. And the only people who can vote in the Independence Party primary are the voters in my district. So there's about 580 of them. So 580 registered Independence Party members will be able to come out and vote in June or um, for who, who they want to be on that line in the November general election. So just to recap real quick, all the Independence Party members will come out in June to vote whether they want me or my opponent to represent them in the general election in November. Now, if my opponent gets more uh, Independence votes in that June primary, then his name will be on the line in November, even though he's not an Independent. He's a Republican. But when you go to vote in November, you'll see Republican, my opponent's name, and then you'll see Independent, and then my opponent's name. So people will be tricked into thinking they're voting for an Independent when they vote in November because his name's on the line, when really they're voting for a Republican. Right. Eric said it a lot better. That's what I meant, but Eric explained it very, very good. You can tell why he's in politics and I'm in on a talk show. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, you were, you were good. It's just, you know, it's a confusing system. You know, I, I have to say it in my head, you know, sometimes over and over so, like, I can explain it at least decently because, you know, people are busy. You know, I went to the door today for just a couple hours. Today was a quick day. People went home those St. Patrick's Day. But, you know, met, met 10 or 15 people, and, and, you know, you can't, people don't have time to, to understand all this stuff. And they shouldn't have to. It should be much, much easier. And, and it could be. But the corruption is so bad, especially here in Niagara County, that, um, you know, the system is so rigged and complicated that, you know, it's difficult to follow. So kind of my job is to give out the privilege of people so they can be informed without having to, you know, sacrifice a ton of time and energy. I gotcha. Uh, we're just having a little bit of, like, uh, phone static, so I'm trying to clean it up. I was I was listening. It's, it's okay on my end. Oh, okay. All right, I have a, a good friend that listens to this podcast, Dr. Kroll. He's actually in your district. So uh, he, he was wondering what your thoughts are on uh, fixing up Niagara Falls. Yeah, so what, what, I'm getting to the question. And it's something that I was, I wouldn't say unprepared for, but I was surprised by the amount of people who are um, wanting to know about Niagara Falls, even though I represent Hennepin Wheatfield. So what I thought would happen is people would only really care about Hennepin Wheatfield for the most part. But what I'm finding is um, a lot of people are very concerned about Niagara Falls. You know, don't get me wrong, so am I. But I just didn't think it would be as, as uh, much of a flustered issue in the other towns and cities as it is. But, so Niagara Falls, uh, the legislator... You know, all the members of the legislature, you know, when there's a problem in Niagara Falls, it, it affects, you know, all of us. We have to vote in supporting and helping all of the different towns and cities in Niagara County. Uh, Niagara Falls is a mess. There's no secret to it. Um, there's no great answer to how to fix it because there's so many things that need to happen. Um, obviously, the first thing that I think needs to happen is you need to... Uh, bring business into Niagara Falls to increase the tax rolls, right? You need to spend money on the areas. Uh, so, well, first off, let's back up. You need to figure out what's going on with the casino, right? The casino deal is 
has the potential to really cripple that city because of where that money is or isn't going. Um, and whoever is, is going to be in charge of Niagara Falls, because the mayor is uh, up for election this year and the, the council members as well, they need to, to figure out this casino deal. They need to get a long-term deal in place with the casino. And we need to make sure that um, that money is supporting Niagara Falls and it's not, um, you know, like it is now and, and all this uh, all this you know, arbitration and everything else. So, but then, you know, we need to develop Niagara Falls. Business needs to come in. It is a tourist city, you know, but it's also a very big factory and industry city. And we need to make sure that, you know, we're supporting businesses coming in so we can, you know, get the jobs in there and also so we can increase the tax loss so Niagara Falls can stand a little bit more on its own two feet instead of always relying on casino cash. Um, and those are just two things, right? I mean, there, there's some union issues, right, between the firefighters, the police officers, and the council. Um, we need to make sure that we're supporting first responders, but also in a way that the taxpayers can, you know, uh, bear the burden of, right? Um, and so there's a lot, man. Whoever is on the council for Niagara Falls and whoever wins the mayoral election for Niagara Falls, you got to work it out for them. But from a legislative perspective, I would definitely be for um, helping everything that we could uh, in every way that we can. Because let's face it, if Niagara Falls does well, Niagara County does well. And so we need to make sure that our biggest tourist attraction and one of the biggest uh, wonders of the world is being supported so we can all benefit Niagara County. I agree. That's a, a great statement that you're saying. Uh, you talked about the unions a little bit. Uh, as a union guy myself, I'm a steward for the local 277. Can you talk about your support for the unions? Yeah, so I, this is like everything else in uh, in the world, right? Everything, everything in the world can be taken to an extreme, right? And every and so, in my, it's my opinion that unions are, for the most part, incredibly important and incredibly um, needed. And I support unions ninety percent of the time. But what we need to make sure of is that just because we have strong unions. We need to make sure that, you know, we're keeping things reasonable. Like, you know, there's some unions out there, and I'm not talking, you know, anybody specifically, but, you know, I've always kind of been against signing long-term union contracts. Like, I've always kind of been, like, three- and five-year union contracts in the max. And I know a lot of union members don't always like to do that. But anytime you go about, you know, five and, and the seven- and ten-year union deals, and they do exist out there in, in, in many different, uh, you know, depending on the position. Um, you know, we don't know what the, the health and the financial stability of our cities is going to be like, you know, 10 years down the road all the time. And so what I think we need to do with the unions is, first and foremost, understand that they are needed and that they are important and that um, they are what supports most of the working class. And it's also what keeps work environments safe for those workers, such as firefighters, first responders, um, and, you know, steam fitters, iron workers. Like, those are dangerous jobs, and we need those unions in place to uh, make sure that they have the safety and um, make sure that they have all the requirements that they need to do their job. But we also need to remember that um, we need to keep things in perspective, and we can't, you know, get too carried away with, you know, one side or the other when we when we do these contracts. I agree. So you don't think people should get a uh, free cosmetic surgery? 
that's one of the things that I respect about you so much is that you're a pretty level-headed guy on just about every issue that we ever talked about. I think that that's really what politicians need to be. I think everyone's so far right, so far left. The The right place is in the middle, just like you said with the Independence Party, where you can kind of go each way on an issue and find the right answer. Yeah, no, I really agree with that. I mean, I don't know if very far right very, very conservative people would vote for me. And I don't know if very, very far left, uh, crazy liberal minded people uh, um, would vote for me. You know, I don't know. But the reality is, is that that's like 10 percent. If You know, uh, it's kind of arbitrary, but, you know, the number. But that's that's not the majority of the people. The majority of the people are on that sliding scale. Uh, you know, in the middle of the of the extreme left. I've been to hundreds of doors in the last uh, month or so, and every there's, like, no examples of people who are so far conservative or so far liberal that you can't find ground with almost anybody that's out there. And that just comes to show to me that most people are uh, in the middle on some of these issues. And we have to have representatives who are going to be the voice and I think we just need to get your voice out there too. I remember the time we were cutting weight together in the sauna and we're having pretty much a conversation just like this about politics and all the people in the sauna want to hear us talk more when we were getting out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I've never shied away from trying to like take a stance and speak my mind. You know, it's like there's a lot of politicians um, and not, not even politicians, just people in general who you know, might answer some of these questions differently, might, you know, walk the line more pro or con on a lot of the issues that we're talking about. But these are just the things that I feel, you know, and this, this is what I think. This is what I've, you know, thought a lot about on a lot of these issues, for example, you know, budgeting and, and our education as a school board member and first responders and, um, you know, unions. And, you know, this is where I stand as a 32-year-old in my experience. Now, could I change my mind on some issues as I get older? Yeah, of course I could, right? And I, I would be more concerned about a candidate who was unwilling to change his mind as he gets more educated or she gets more educated or she, or he experiences new things and still doesn't change their mind. Like, that would be really scary to me to have someone in office who, no matter what evidence you put in front of them, is so blinded by, you know, one thought or one ideology that they can never bend their flex or, you know, um, 
kind of reflects on an issue. I mean, we need people. That whole term of like, oh, the flip flopping and fence sitting, that term is always driven me nuts because as a 32 year old, if I have the same views as when I'm a 22 year old or a 62 year old, like, that means I haven't done much living and I haven't done much uh, in, in terms of trying to, you know, get further education and things like that. So I think we need to evolve and we need to keep an open mind and, you know, kind of go from there. I like that. That thought is echoed so much with intellects today, especially if you're listening to like the Joe Rogan podcast or Jordan Peterson, or even though people start calling these people all right, they're pretty liberal and they're pretty much in the middle on a lot of stuff. I like the, the thoughts that you're echoing. Yeah, but I heard you mention uh, Peterson and Rogan. Of course, you know, um, but I, you know, anybody who doesn't know those are great podcasts to listen to. And and I would, there's, there's one that literally I would I would say without trying to figure my change my life, and that's a four part series on a debate between Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson, um, which is uh, four two hour debates on religion and everything that goes into religion and ethics and morals and even politics. And it, it is it is one of the most interesting things I've ever heard. Um, so anybody who wants to listen to that, it's definitely kind of most fun. But, you know, another thing I know is, is, you know, Jordan Peterson talks about you need liberal and conservative-minded people to make the world go forward. You need liberal-minded people and democratic-minded people, uh, democratic-minded people to stick up for the less fortunate and to stick up for, um, you know, the dispossessed and different things like that. And then you also need conservative-minded people who can also stick up for that whole section of society, too. So as much as we want to vilify each other, you know, liberals and Democrats are going to be enemies, the reality is, is that if they hadn't had each other, neither one of them, would, they would both cease to exist. And so you need Democrats, you need liberals, uh, and you need conservatives to be constantly fighting issues out. But then when you're done fighting, you need to compromise and you need to move forward. And hopefully that's where someone like me comes in, where I see both points of view, Let's find a reasonable solution and let's move the ball forward instead of constantly fighting with each other. I think you do that perfectly. I don't think there's a better example than this than your fight. I mean, the guy came in wearing a Trump hat. You came out wearing a Democrat blue. At the end of the fight, you, you switched outfits. He went home wearing your Vote Herbert shirt and you wore his shirt, man. You know, you guys went in a cage and you debated and, and he, you came out and won the debate and he followed your ideas home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was kind of like a cool, like you know, when I when I think about it, symbolic thing. You know, I'm wearing the blue, he's wearing the red. He's got the Trump hat, and you know, it, it was uh, none of it was planned. You know, it was just what it was. You know, he and I even asked him about it. I said, "Did you know about me like running for office?" He's like, "No, I never looked you up. I just uh, like I love I love what he's doing for the country, and you know, I don't necessarily have all those same views. You know, but I but you know what." Yeah, it's a perfect, it's like a microcosm of your life, man. It's really good. It'd be good, great for the campaign. Yeah, yeah, right, right. All right, man. Well, I thank you very much for your time. Uh, we're going to get out of here. Vote Herbert. Hashtag vote Herbert all over the place. Yeah, we got to spread the news around. <laughs> yeah, if I could just say just one more quick thing. I'm having a fundraiser on the 27th, um, uh, next uh, two weeks from now or a week and a half from now. I'm an NT. It's on my Facebook page if anybody wants to come out and support. I appreciate it, and if anybody could just, you know, just kind of share and like some of the posts and help spread the word. And if you know anybody in NT, or if you know anybody in the town of Winfield, 
Uh, I really appreciate any uh, any support I could get and asking people to vote for me and helping uh, get my message out there. So, Jeff and Ray, thanks for having me. You guys, uh, uh, I always appreciate the time with you guys, and uh, thanks a lot. Oh, before we let you get out of here, after your plug, we're going to have to follow up with a question about the plug. Where is the fundraiser at, and how much are tickets? Yeah, sure. So the, the tickets are $25 a person or $40 a couple. Uh, it includes food and dessert and drinks. And it's at uh, Gratwick uh, Hose Fire Company, so Gratwick uh, Fire Hall, which is in North Tonawanda off of Ward Road. I believe it's 110 Ward Road in North Tonawanda. And you can always uh, show up at the door and get a ticket, or you can uh, go to my website, ericherbert.com, and just click the Donate button, and you can donate money to the campaign that way. You could also donate money uh, uh, for tickets, and then we'll have a printout at the door of anybody who bought tickets, or then you'll be, well, you can just put it at the door. Um, but yeah, if you want to donate anything to the campaign, five bucks, ten bucks, whatever, every, every little bit helps, and uh, you can just do that at ericherbert.com. Awesome, man. Thank yeah. you very much for your time. You're not going right, to be a career politician just charging like 25 bucks, though. you got to get a couple hundred dollars ahead. Yeah, no, if anybody <laughs> wants to drop a, drop a million bucks in there, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for your time, Eric. All right, guys, take care. Yep, bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Eric the Bull Herbert. The Bull. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. We were having a little bit of foam difficulties here so ray had to hold the phone up by his face and i was pretty much sitting in his lap for like the last 10 minutes of the podcast yeah that was awkward it was a little awkward ray was getting excited and uh he was like man get off the phone stop when i when i went to ask him the last question about the fundraiser you're like he just gave me the look like dude just move he was in my face yeah but uh eric's a hell of a guy oh yeah uh, I, I say that a lot about a lot of people, but there's not too many people I put a lot of extra time into helping, and uh, Eric's yeah. one of them. You know what? I really don't donate money political, but I'm I'm gonna do it this year. Yeah, for Eric, I'm gonna do it for sure. Yeah, and, uh, I'm probably not gonna go, but I'm gonna get two tickets and I'll probably right. put a donation to his um fund. Yeah, I'll probably be working that night, so <laughs> I'm gonna donate some money though. We should we should donate some money to Caveman's Corner actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll donate it and then we'll just say it's from K Man's corner. <laughs> Wait, no, no, I'm gonna donate K Man. All right. Yeah, I wanna donate. Yeah, that's what you say on the mic and then when it gets off you're like Psh. <laughs> I mean for real this time. I'm not serious though. No, I'm gonna donate. All right. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Yep. You ready to play the music? Yep. All right, let's get out of here. Oh Mark Mark Homer sent me a message. What <laughs> play the music? <laughs> All right, Republicans and Democrats, this is Caveman Corner. We are out of here. Yeah, that sucks that the phone was buzzing in and out. I'll yeah, clean it, it up a little you bit. know what? It's my phone. I got to get a new phone. Yeah. But it's better than my phone. My phone's just as bad. No, but but like the, the, the signal on my phone got terrible. Yeah. And uh, Who man, do you use? I got T-Mobile. I got Sprint and there's... Pretty crappy too. We gotta get Eric Herbert to fix the phone signal. Except we're not in Niagara County. Oh damn. If we're in Niagara County, Eric Herbert will fix your phone signal. You know what? I'm gonna move to Niagara County. (laughs) I'm gonna pack my bags. I'm moving out there.